Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates, providing intensive therapy, individualized academic instruction, and social skills training for children with autism. Behavior Associates analysts develop an individualized treatment plan for each child receiving services. Presenting sponsor of The Facing Project, more at BehaviorABA.com. I believe in bringing people together to help the people at the very bottom. The dividers need us to stay in our own little bubbles, talking about each other, not talking to each other. We have to try something else. Bipartisanship is not going to come from the top down. It's going to come from the bottom up. That was political commentator Van Jones, and I'm J.R. Jameson. Today on The Facing Project, I'll sit down with Lance and Brandon Kramer, two brothers behind Meridian Hill Pictures and the producers and directors of the forthcoming documentary, The First Step, that follows Van Jones as he attempts to bring people together across party lines to pass landmark criminal justice reform while finding himself under fire from all sides. Later, Lance, Brandon, and I discuss filmmaking, storytelling, and why it's more important than ever to create bridge-building art during a time of extreme polarization. Lance and Brandon Kramer, thank you for joining me on The Facing Project. Thanks so much for having us, JR. We're really happy to be here. Yeah, really happy to be here. Thanks for having us. We're excited to have you. The two of you have been making films together, at least professionally, since 2010. And your work has been broadcast and streamed on Netflix, CNN, PBS, and a whole host of other stations and networks. The first step is your latest film. Why the story? Yeah, you know, I think in a lot of ways, this story starts with... Uh, this real, to us, significant question and challenge, which is, you know, if we can't find a way to deal with the divisions in the country head on, uh, we're just never going to be able to solve the kinds of problems that we need to solve as a country, as a community, just even within, you know, families or neighborhoods. I mean, it's clear that to address these these really significant um, challenges or even crises that we have, it's going to take some sort of um, coalition building and relationship building across what seem to be almost unimaginable divides in some cases, but that's what it takes. And for us, when we started working on the film back in 2016, which for... <laughs> feels like a million years ago in some ways, right? Feels like a million years ago. And yet in some ways, I mean, we're literally talking, you know, day after Groundhog Day, and it almost feels like... Mm -hmm we're kind of in that pattern where we find ourselves in the same cycle of the divisions just escalating greater and greater. Um, at that time, um, you know, particularly post-election, uh, um, a lot of these issues that to us, and I know many other people matter so much, like criminal justice and the addiction crisis felt almost hopeless in the midst of um, the direction the country was going. And for us, um, we had a relationship with Van mm -hmm. and uh, with Van Jones and um, saw that he was really one of only a few people in the public spotlight who was, in a sense, taking this approach of engagement with the administration or prepared to engage with the new administration, really anyone who might pose some hope of dealing with um, these issues. And he was, in a sense, almost alone on an island 
mm-hmm. as far as people that were running in that direction when um, a lot of his peers, especially on the left, were, 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 were taking a very different approach. And that felt like a critical story to tell about someone who was taking a path of engagement to advocate for issues that he believed in at that time. Um, and we just felt like no matter what happened, you know, whether he was successful, whether it blew up in his face or anything in between, it was going to be a really important story to tell. And the lessons that would be learned from that attempt would be very, um, could be very powerful. Um, and if it worked, it would be something monumental. Mm-hmm. And that tension was felt as I watched the film. Uh, you know, it follows Van Jones, as you said, and Jessica Jackson and Lewis Reed, who co-founded and serve as national organizers for Cut 50, which for our listeners who may not know what that is, that's a bipartisan effort to cut crime and incarceration across all 50 states by bringing unlikely allies together to span the political divide. But that tension that you were just talking about... Uh, it was real in the film, and it, it mainly centered around the Trump administration's criminal justice reform and working with the Trump administration on that. And the trio, especially Van, gets blowback, particularly from Black Democrats and progressives, of which Van identifies as both. I want to play a quick clip that captures a few of the responses and Van's reaction. Donald Trump is not interested in helping Black people, and everything he does, he's abetted, abetted by men like Van Jones. Earnest-looking men who pretend like they have people's best interests at heart. Do you think that Van Jones even thinks that he's doing something wrong? I, I think he actually thinks he's helping. It is super important that we hold people accountable who are in those rooms, supposedly advocating for us. Van Jones is a big hypocrite. Does he agree with the racist conservatives? I guess everything Trump has said and done is fine. You can't compartmentalize hate. You can't ignore racism. Amend or kill the First Step Act. That's why I say Twitter should just be called hater. Just call it hater and ignore it. As the film unfolds, we see the toll this takes on Van, but he continues to push forward. Talk about capturing these tender and at times tense moments. What did you learn from Van, Jessica, and Lewis as you followed their every move? Yeah, first of all, you know, capturing a scene like that where Van is experiencing tremendous blowback from people who he's worked with, people who he admires, people he respects. It takes years to get to the point where you can show up in someone's life in a non-exploitative way like that to capture uh, such a such a sensitive moment. Um, so that just took a lot of relationship building um, and making it clear that you know I wasn't there to exploit that moment. I was there to. Uh, to capture it, you know, fully, um, as I was there to capture the triumphs and the successful moments. But, you know, bridge building is really, really tough work. And the goal for making the film was to see what bridge building looks like in action and why so few people take this path. And so for Van, Jessica, and Lewis, the experience they were having of you know, I was with Van at the Women's March and hearing crowds of progressives scream and yell like, run, Van, run. They want to you know, run for president. People, you know, on a lot of these groups loved Van. A lot of people still love Van. So he still has that. But in this moment in time, he's walking into the Trump White House to try to work on a bill to get people freed from prison. A lot of people that 
adored him and loved him and supported him were really angry and upset with him. A lot of criminal justice reform groups were really upset that he took this step into the white into the Trump White House to work with Jared Kushner on this bill. So allies were in opposition to this effort. Meanwhile, there Van Jessica and Lewis are forming new relationships with Senator Mike Lee, with uh, Rand Paul, with a lot of conservative leaders that are leading that were working on this bill. So it was a really complicated experience, I think, for them because people, organizations and leaders they loved and worked side by side with were in opposition. People that support policies that are really harmful to communities that Van and Jessica Lewis are fighting for were in support of this one effort. And as a filmmaker, I was just really fascinated by the complexity of that because I felt like in many ways, the messiness and barriers that they were going up against in crossing this bridge and working on working with people that they opposed on many other issues was exactly the kind of example that the American public needed to see what bridge building looks like, why so few people take this path and create hopefully opportunities for more working across divides in this country. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about yourselves as filmmakers and bridge builders? A lot. Um, <laughs> you know, I learned that I had my own biases and prejudices walking into making this film. Um, you know, like anything, when you get closer to a problem, you see a lot more nuance and complexity to that problem. So, you know, when I met, when I first went to West Virginia and met the sheriff of West Virginia and, you know, different Trump supporters in that state, I had my own prejudices and biases walking in those spaces and building those relationships, getting to know them as fathers, as children, hearing about the losses they've experienced in the addiction crisis. You know, I still don't agree with them politically, mm -hmm. but I feel like a more human connection to them. And I, they're close friends. I talk to them every week now. Um, same goes with the political side of the story. Even growing up in the D.C. area, I thought nothing was possible in Washington and that the, divis the divisiveness, all of these different, uh, you know, that the, that the system was stacked against making progress. I was in those rooms and I saw up close and personal human beings, Van Jessica Lewis, folks from West Virginia, LA, walk into these representatives' offices, plead their personal stories and case for reform on addiction and criminal justice, see those cases and those stories be put into a bill, a document that then was negotiated, debated, discussed, signed, passed in the Senate, passed in the House, mm -hmm. signed by President Trump, and then tens of thousands of people released from prison and back home with their families. So this entire experience actually gave me hope that laws can change that impact people's lives. Mm -hmm. I want to talk for a moment about the groups you acknowledged a moment ago from West Virginia and also the group from uh, South Los Angeles. So uh, one narrative arc of the film and some of my favorite scenes 
show the shared tragedy of addiction and incarceration between urban and rural America. And I loved how you weaved those two together. This includes community leader stories from South LA and West Virginia working and learning together despite their differences, just like you talked about. I want to play a clip for our listeners of when the two groups meet for the first time. When we went through the crack cocaine crisis, the focus was incarceration. So now that the crisis is beyond the community of color, it's a noticeable crisis. Mm -hmm. Can we put the differences aside to work on a common project? Hi, Rhonda. I'm Bernie. Okay. Nice to meet you. Hi, Dee. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hi, Tyler. We have common pain when you have people going to funerals in West Virginia and South Central for the same addiction crisis, and nobody's ever called anybody to say, how can I help you? So uh, just talk to the person across from you. And just do some get-to-know-you stuff. So I'm here because uh, I'm a product of the crack epidemic. I'm in South L.A., so I was born addicted to drugs. No matter what color you are, you don't, I'm not given the tools. You're given a, a certain way of life that just keeps repeating itself, deepening itself. There are victims that nobody's talking about. God has put us in faithful positions to, to help people, and that's what a calling is. My vision was on a recovery center. Now we're paying attention. They didn't have a choice. I really do believe we are much more similar than we are different. As the film unfolds, there are moments of celebration, but also times of tension between the two groups. That's not too different from the blowback van and others from Cut 50 received. Of course, with film, we only see what's curated for the final product. So can you talk a bit about the behind the scenes and as you followed these folks around the shared tragedies that kept bringing them together? Yeah, you know, when I first met Hilo in Los Angeles, you know, she van had proposed her, to her and these other los angeles leaders mostly black latino leaders in south in south la to travel to west virginia you know she had researched west virginia and she was like you know a huge percentage of the people in that state voted for trump it was this is right you know amidst the 2016 election and she had a lot of legitimate fears, not just emotional fears, but physical, like safety mm -hmm. fears for her, for her life and trepidation. And I went to, like I was saying, I went to visit the sheriff before they hosted the LA people uh, in, in West Virginia, visited him in Welch, West Virginia. He had written on the wall before our meeting the media does not define us. Mm. And I sat down at that table. There was about five other leaders from West Virginia, and they were so skeptical of me. They were so skeptical of Van Jones. They, I, you know, I don't know if they were skeptical of the Los Angeles people, but I think they were, they were concerned that they might be coming to West Virginia to sort of uh, point out to the, how backwards these people are, you know, West Virginia, gets has just like a lot of negative stereotypes and the media does terrible storytelling around them and frankly you know progressives there's a lot of narratives around you know this whole idea of deplorables you know mm -hmm. was 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 in the ethos 
So the fear and the skepticism was very high at the beginning. Once they arrove in West Virginia and they sat down at that diner that you're seeing, mm-hmm. I would say 90% of that really went away. Um, it, it's not to say their political views were not there and their tension and, and the, the passion by which they feel around these issues. But when you bring a photo of a loved one, of your son, and you say, I lost my son to addiction, and this is what happened, and someone else on the other side of the aisle says, I also lost my son from addiction, all of those political views, they're they're still there, but there's a human connection and a bond that's being formed that, uh, you know, per- overpowers all of that. And honestly, from that moment onwards, they became a community. Um, they're still connected. They're mm. still friends. Yes, of course, you're seeing just a snapshot of it in the film, but but we developed so much intimacy that literally almost all of the moments were captured. They're there. So what you're seeing in the finished film is a really honest and intimate look at what it's like to have real concerns about another community and that divisiveness be there and those barriers drop in real time in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. What I enjoyed about watching the film is you can see that on Tylo's face, you can see it on Dee's face. The two of them especially, you can see this transition transition happening within them without few words being spoken. Um, and, and I could see that, that transformation. But there were times where a few folks in the group would mention something that would maybe trigger the other group. Can you talk a bit about were there moments where you thought this is not going to work? Yeah, I mean, and the trigger, those things still happen to this day. Like, I don't want to name names, but, you know, on Facebook and social media, everyone's friends on social media. And so somebody will post something political and then, you know, there'll be comments and they'll be going back and forth about it. But at the end of the day, there's still like, I love you. I care about you. I'm going to speak my truth. But, you know, I, I, to be honest, I never felt like the group from, from the moment that those personal anecdotes were shared, I never felt like the group's uh, connection would, you know, would dissolve. I think as a, uh, I think the biggest thing was just staying connected being on opposite sides of the country is a little different because they're not, you know, it's different than bridge building within a community. It's we're talking about rural West Virginia and South central Los Angeles, but miraculously, uh, you know, van was able to bring West Virginia all the way to South central LA, which is incredible, Mm -hmm. was an incredible moment to see, you know, these folks, you know, walk the streets of Skid Row, walk inside of a prison and really see how mass incarceration has impacted communities of color in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then from for the folks from South South LA to go to West Virginia and see the devastation the opioid impact, opioid epidemic has had on that community, but also see drug court and see positive examples of the way people dealing with addiction in that community are avoiding incarceration whereas in their community, addiction was criminalized. And that was a tough conversation that they had to have. And you see that transpire in the film. Mm-hmm. They're both allies in this fight to end addiction and end mass incarceration. But the reality is 
their communities where addiction was dealt with very differently. And that's a painful truth that must be addressed to bring these communities together. And it is in the film and in their real lives. Mm -hmm. Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates, providing intensive therapy, individualized academic instruction, and social skills training for children with autism. Behavior Associates analysts develop an individualized treatment plan for each child receiving services. Presenting sponsor of The Facing Project, more at BehaviorABA.com. And I want to play a clip of when the two groups meet in L.A. for the first time, um, not in the diner, but when they're actually in Los Angeles. Um, and it's between Tylo James and, and Dee Pierce. Tylo and, and Dee, we just talked about, uh, for our listeners, Tylo is from South L.A. and has a daughter who was born addicted to crack cocaine. Dee is a mother from West Virginia whose daughter is in the throes of addiction. So I want to play a clip of Dee talking about getting to know the folks from L.A. and some of her fears. I just don't want us to uh, to blow it, you know what I mean, with the uh, L.A. folks. I went into that thinking, I'm so small, and so is my state, and it's like, how do I squash the rumors about West Virginia to big city people. That was such a poignant moment for me. All of the individual stories are important, of course, and I was incredibly moved by their reluctance yet acceptance that change happens when people move outside of their comfort zones. Being on the other side of the camera, talk about witnessing this change in those you followed. Yeah, um, it's, it's a really sacred thing to be in someone's life at such a profound moment as that you know for somebody like tylo nd to dig into this trauma that they're not just it's not part of their past but as part of their current life experience to share that with people that they just met hours ago who are from the opposite end of the country, from opposite political stance, that every narrative they're being fed is that these are enemies and they're sitting over a cup of coffee and they're digging into their most sacred and painful personal story of, of loss is such an act of courage. Mm-hmm. And to do that, not only... Not only to do that, but to do that with a camera there and filming is you just, as a filmmaker, you exit reality and you become in this like very sacred spiritual flow space. There's like a greater, I mean, to get like too, you know, religious, but there's almost like a greater power in the room in that moment. And What gets you to that moment is the days and days and weeks and weeks of relationship building that Lance, myself, our entire film team, and Van and his team spent with these amazing leaders in West Virginia and L.A. before the camera started rolling. Mm -hmm. So you spend hours breaking bread, getting to know people, really trusting and respecting each other. They know why I'm there. I know why they're there. So that in a moment like that, it can unfold as it would, and you can capture it intimately with a camera. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about 
years of relationship building, right? Not just a few months. Yeah, I've been a part of these uh, five West Virginia LA uh, leaders' lives now for I think eight years. Wow. I say months in that it took several months before we even started filming. Mm-hmm. Now they're a part of my everyday life. I just talked to one of them yesterday, and I was talking to I was talking to her about my love life, and she was telling me about her son. You know, like <laughs> now that the movie's done, we're just you know we're just close friends. Yeah, which is a beautiful part of being a documentary filmmaker. Yeah. Are they nervous about the national debut? No, they're excited. They're like, they all love the movie. They had such a rich and dynamic. I mean, they were, they were on the ride of their, of, of, you know, we were on as filmmakers, we were on the rides of our life. We were in the Trump white house one day with Senator Cory Booker another day in West Virginia and LA and Van Jones's, you know, life and and his home life in Tennessee. I mean, it was an, an incredibly dynamic experience as a filmmaker, but for the West Virginia LA folks also, like they were have building these really formative dynamic relationships. They were walking, you know, they got to advocate to, they, they're in meetings with Senator Kamala Harris. They went right from a meeting with Senator Kamala Harris, then Senator Kamala Harris, now vice president, obviously, to a meeting with, uh, um Kellyanne Conway in the White House so they're <laughs> they're having this incredible experience and they're they love the film they're really proud of the advocacy that they did all of them are involved in the release of the film so we're going to be filming releasing the film in Los Angeles they're all going to be there on a panel speaking on it we're going to release the film in West Virginia the folks from West Virginia are going to be there so it's a there's a little family uh that's formed behind the making of this film which I think is the case in a lot of great docs. I want to take us back to those scenes in the Trump White House. Uh, There's a scene in the film where the groups from South LA and West Virginia travel together to actually meet with the Trump team, as you were just talking about, to tell their personal stories and advocate for criminal justice reform. But some of the folks don't want to go inside. And in some ways, meeting Trump in the Oval Office or meeting the Trump team in the Oval Office was a step too far. Out of the folks who did go in, were any of them considering not making that journey? And what changed their minds? Yeah, I mean, the the debate about, in that case, literally taking the step into the White House at that time was um, both physically and then also the symbolism of it could not have been more acute. And the stakes could not have been higher. And so... The debate was fierce. I think the internal struggle that everyone in the film wrestled with was at its highest level. That was happening in real time. And we felt that being able to bring that debate into the film, you know, as Brandon was saying, being there in those moments of connection was critical. And also these moments of tension and debate um, with each other and also just internally felt absolutely incredible, absolutely critical to, to, to reflect in the film. Those were some of the hardest moments to both be in the room for, and then also figure out how to include, um, in the film. Those were also sacred in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to be honest, there were a lot of times where we were asking ourselves too, like, is it okay to be here? You know, and, mm-hmm. um, the kind of the consent and the um, 
you know, invitation to be in the room was always something that was also very sacred to us and something we took really seriously. Um, and similarly, how to represent that in the film. Uh, ultimately, the finished film was 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 just as important, you know, and, and you see those debates unfold in the film. And for some people, it was not the whole group. Mm-hmm. Not everyone decided to ultimately go to all the meetings uh, at the White House. I think out of the group, there were eight out of the 10 that ultimately went to the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the people that went, uh, we wanted to honor their decision and also how they arrived at that decision. And frankly, we also wanted to respect and honor the reasons why the people who didn't go also made that choice too. And in a sense, Mm -hmm. the film, I hope, kind of holds both things true for why people made different choices. Um, And, you know, as a viewer, I suppose you can then kind of hopefully have a better understanding of how each person arrived at those decisions and why um and maybe kind of ask yourself like what would i do Mm -hmm. i often hear folks complain about the slowness of washington dc and how slow they are to change and honestly how fed up they are about the political parties and how they won't work together the first step act as we talked about previously was passed and signed into law what made this different what could folks learn from this story about the inner workings of washington dc the headline there is that it is possible to get something done that reflects what you want to, the change you want to see in this world. Mm-hmm. Maybe not all of it, but some of it. And that that can happen within the system as slow or as messy or as complex, complex or frustrating as it might be. It is possible. It's also possible for the system to get things done that work against you. So mm-hmm. just as easy as it is to get something done that advances the things you want it can go just it can do the exact same thing in the opposite direction it unfortunately sometimes takes a greater fight to get the thing that you want mm-hmm. done but it is possible and um i think that the film shows that it's as i said it's it's rarely pretty it's usually messy um you usually don't get everything you want um it's painful slow um but if the film can offer some sort of roadmap or blueprint to study to you know examine um doesn't have to be that people paint by numbers and follow it exactly the same way but if there's some lessons in the process um that uh the folks in the film uh follow to 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 get this um, bill passed, then I certainly hope that people can take lessons from that and apply it to whatever they may care about, whether it be criminal justice or anything, frankly, um, and and see how either at a federal level what it takes mm-hmm. to get that bill onto a president's desk to sign, um, and also just in our state capitals and you know community level too. Even with criminal justice, tragically most of the people who are incarcerated in this country are actually locked up in state prisons, not federal prisons. Mm -hmm. So even if you have a bill passed at the federal level, it doesn't impact directly the people who are incarcerated in all the states. So then you have to actually go embark upon a totally different process Mm. in every single state and jurisdiction to see these changes play out too. So the other lesson there that I hope people can take is that 
regular people can make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, regular quote unquote people like us and anyone that is not a household name. So it's not just the famous people or the politicians that move the needle. It's the day to day work that, um, you know, unsung heroes in a sense in every community um, are doing and must continue to do to 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 see these changes come to fruition. And I hope that the film shows that too, that it's kind of, there's like an inhale and exhale. It's the famous people and the household names and also the, you know, the advocates that you've been spending a lot of time, we've been spending a lot of time talking about that, mm-hmm. that are, are, are oftentimes the real heroes too. Mm-hmm. It's the power of the personal narrative that moves the needle. And, and I feel when I, I've, I've seen the film now, I shared with you probably 10 times, um, you know, each time I watch it, I'm taken by those personal narratives and how that did help shift opinions. And we cannot discount the power of the personal story and how that can change hearts and minds and policies. I want to switch gears a bit and talk about the film's reception. It was previewed at film festivals across the country last year, and this spring it's making its theatrical debut in communities across the country, including Muncie, Indiana, where I live. How are communities using the film, and what takeaways or local action do you hope to see? So, over the last year, the film has, to date, I think screened in over 40 regional festivals in over 30 states in person already in that kind of preview advanced tour um, and also screened in a number of pilot and early impact focused screenings in prisons and re-entry programs and colleges and some churches and uh, social work conferences and uh, consistently through all of those early screenings, um, we've seen how the film can be a very important and powerful rallying cry for people who are on the front lines of fighting for criminal justice reform, fighting for a more humane response to the addiction crisis, just fighting to bring people together over anything, whatever the case might be. We've been hearing consistently that the film has offered a really powerful tool to be able to get people in the room, have an ex- a shared experience, and then have a conversation about it. And if it's just the conversation, hallelujah, even that in this day and age is a breakthrough. And if it can be even beyond a conversation and lead to action or new relationships or connections, then you're really talking about something special. So for us, when we designed the theatrical release of the film, which is now what's coming up uh, uh, very, very soon. Uh, For us, we wanted to model that same ethic and ethos and and approach in the way the film would come to theaters. So every single theater, every single theatrical screening of this movie in now 20 plus states will be programmed and presented that same way. There'll be nonprofit, university, community advocate partners in every single place doing really critical local work and in some cases national work especially in dc los angeles and new york but strong community partners in every setting uh, there to educate audiences about what they're doing in the community um, how audiences can plug in to being a part of that work and also how to have some really tough conversations in the process to 
um, in a sense, almost follow the model that uh, the film shows and and see if um, some of those breakthroughs can even perhaps happen just on a micro level in in each of the screenings. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we're hoping for. And that will play out over the course of about a month of these theatrical screenings. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, um, we haven't made any announcements yet, but it'll be then available ultimately for people to watch at home too mm -hmm. a little later. Great. Well, filmmaking is an art. Storytelling is an art. And what you did with your art is to show bridge building in a time of extreme polarization. Why is that important to the two of you as filmmakers? I think that film has this a beautiful quality. It, film has a beautiful bridge building quality baked into the medium because it's so rooted in telling human stories which is something that transcends, I think, most of the things that divide us because we all are human. And if you can succeed in telling a compelling, complex, powerful story, uh, the entry points can be infinite and the points of connection can also be infinite. And I think that that's something that I love about the art form of film. It's something that also drives me crazy because it's why oftentimes it takes so long to make a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can succeed and make something that you know you're proud of, then I think it has these transformative qualities that um, allow it to do things that other mediums may not be positioned for. And I, you know, think particularly when you're talking about divisions in the country, uh, you know. Social media tends to inflame. Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but as I think we all know, it tends to be more of a means to inflame than otherwise. Unfortunately, same with the media. You know, and the media, quote unquote, could mean a million different things, but mm -hmm. just um, forms of mainstream media can unfortunately sometimes do the same, um, at least when it comes to trying to solve this problem of divisiveness. And, uh, I kind of see film as being a type of disarming art form and medium mm -hmm. rather than something that inflames, at least when it's at its best. And that's, that's what I love about mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the art form. And it's just, it's ability to hold complexity, I think to me is something that's really, really significant um, that in a 90 minute work, the level of complexity that can be represented and held is is um kind of profound and then the way that a viewer's intelligence and own experience can be re respected as well mm -hmm. i'll just add to what lance is saying that um as a filmmaker lance as filmmakers lance and i are drawn to telling stories about people we really admire in stepping into really uncomfortable spaces we're drawn to stories that deal with contradictions and paradoxes and sit with discomfort. It's a lot of storytelling in the world that is very, uh, you know, affirming and, and, you know, the kind of things that you want to watch to, you know, help like, you know, cheer you up or build up your, you know, excitement around something that those stories are critical and important. I think our role as filmmakers, and we've seen our role, is stepping into some of these thorny, you know, difficult, really complicated spaces, which 
you know, watching a progressive leader and a coalition of activists work across the divide, build relationships with the Trump administration at a time of extreme polarization to get something passed that impacts thousands of people's lives. That space and finding the way to capture that authentically in a way that allows an audience from across the political spectrum to experience it, debate it, and take action in their own lives is why we're filmmakers. Mm. Completely unrelated to the content of the film, but I must know, what's it like to create such intimate art as brothers? I know if I worked with one of my brothers on a film or writing, and uh, obviously the radio show are, are kind of my two forms of art, I could not imagine working with my brother on either of those. So talk about that. What's it like to work on an intimate project with your brother? It depends on the day. um no it's a beautiful beautiful thing um it's hard at times and you know we like any siblings we know how to hit each other's nerves immediately and quickly so there's you know there is a deep struggle with that and there's a struggle in just finding the space to be brothers and partners you know, we've gotten better about being more intentional about taking time to just get breakfast together, have dinner together, and talk about family, love life, like things that have nothing to do with movie making. Um, but it's a really beautiful thing because we have this shared language and shared values and an ability to collaborate on such a deep level. Um, and also, you know, it's a real gift because we both have different strengths and skill sets and also uh, interests. So my passion and interest has really been in directing and really, you know, diving into these people's lives and being on the ground and, you know, really wrestling with all the intricacies of the story and the people. And so I was there for every single one of the 80 shoot days traveling around the country with the film. Lance was there for a lot of that. And he's there with me working through that, but he is also helping understand how do we take a story like this and have it engage with and interact and make an impact on, in the public? How do we raise the money to tell the story? How do we build partnerships? How do we distribute it? Um, how do we build a coalition around the film? So we both have had these uh, really complementary both skill sets and interests that have led to a really beautiful and dynamic partnership. Yeah, we've been making films officially for 15 years, and then unofficially, it's been about 30. Wow. You know, we, from a very young age, were stealing our parents' old VHS RCA camcorder <laughs> and making really silly, stupid spoofs that were not documentaries and really had no social purpose, but we were just playing in mm-hmm. a sense with the camera and being ourselves. And that's something we did from the very youngest, you know, as early as I can remember. And also not just making movies or quote unquote movies, but then also we used to play like video store in our parents' living room. And we had all these like, you know, probably illegally recorded VHS tapes of stuff that we had taped from uh, TV. And then we made little labels and made our own little video rental store in 
spread out on the table and we would also kind of have like a fake video store and invite kids from the neighborhood to come check out tapes you know and we yeah. were doing that too so we always had like a little business at that time too so this has been like with us for a really long time combined with the um just the dream of like making being a filmmaker mm-hmm. like and trying to like live and create that way that's something that both of us have shared for a really long time i think it didn't seem like it was always possible mm-hmm. so even just be here with you like be here together talking about this thing that we're doing and i still as hard as it is it's also hard for me to still almost like acknowledge or you know uh appreciate that that's what we're doing because it always seemed like a really far-fetched uh reality and uh I definitely don't think that I would have been able to do that on my own. So I think it took the two of us forming this partnership and committing to it and doing that work together to understand how to work together um, and just deal with our own, like Brandon said, kind of differences in our own, um, build a level of intimacy with each other that maybe seemed like it would obviously be, maybe automatically be easy but actually in a lot of ways wound up being the hardest relationship. Um, but I, I, to, to, to build in that way. Uh, but I just feel like the journey also of just working together, um, and going through all those ups and downs and, you know, sideways, uh, experiences together has been absolutely like the best experience of my life and also i think it's kind of created the pretext to kind of do these other things because we've been mm. in it together what are the two of you working on next aside from the first step film and any future plans you can talk about yeah um we're working on several different scripted ideas and projects um you know like Lance was saying, our initial love of film started with fiction. Those were the stories that were, you know, really grabbed us when we were younger. When I went to film school, that's what I was studying. I was studying uh, scripted, you know, fiction film. And documentary has been this beautiful space to learn not just how to tell stories and be a filmmaker, but also understand just how the world works. We've, you know, in the past 13 years, we've traveled across the whole world. We've met so many different communities. We've wrestled with all these different issues of unemployment, green jobs, uh, violent extremism, uh, you know, criminal justice reform, all these different issues and communities touched by these different spaces. And it's been amazing. And I think now Lance and I feel like a deep desire to return home to our family, to some of our roots, to some of the experiences we've had in our personal lives. And so we've developed, we're developing a few different projects that are stories inspired by personal experiences. One of them is a historical uh, fiction idea. One is a science fiction drama. Uh, one is a coming of age story. Won't get into the specific ideas, but um, we're excited to collaborate on the other side of this art form, which is the scripted world. 
Mm -hmm. I can't wait to watch. What advice would you give to aspiring storytellers and filmmakers? Oh, I I would say we can both share. Um, I would say just don't underestimate the power of what is possible when you have a deep belief in something and you get excited and passionate about it and how infectious that can be and what that can lead to making this film it required putting together an enormous team tons of resources we shot i think like 85 shoot days all across the country the edit took two years to make we had 400 hours of footage that we had to whittle down to 90 minutes we had to build relationships and access at the highest levels of power and on grass in all these grassroots spaces and it was an insane undertaking and the only thing that got us through that was the belief in what we were in the story we were capturing and we were so excited and so passionate about it that that fed into all those people's relationships we were building the funders people that have helped us along the way with distribution. So if you feel excited about a story, nurture that, light that flame and you know feed the fire. And obviously it's an extremely challenging art form, extremely challenging industry to be in. So I don't wanna undersell any of that. We could do a whole nother podcast just speaking to the myriad challenges that we've had. This has been a very hard film to make and it's been a very hard film to distribute. And but the thing that has powered through all of that has been the belief in the story we were telling and really the people's lives in front of the camera who were fighting through extremely challenging decisions in the interest of serving people whose lives have been impacted by addiction and the criminal justice system. Everything he said, everything he said. (laughs) And also, I just add that um, these are, I mean, I'm not going to take any credit for these because these are really just, you know, kind of pearls from, you know, our parents and grandparents and elders. But I think in particular, you know, I think this applies to art, you know, art or filmmaking, but probably anything really is just, you know, trying to really understand what is the unique contribution that you can make? Uh, it's really easy to look out yonder and just, you know, try to emulate someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in fact, that's usually, I think, autom- I often do the same. But when you start to really like look within and understand yourself, your own identity, your family, your culture, all those kinds of things, your approach or aesthetic, uh, that you start tapping into something that's very powerful by just identifying that unique contribution that you might be able to make. Um, and then if you can tap into that and just continue to follow your gut, mm-hmm. that can lead you to take risks, which I think are necessary in a lot of cases in order to put yourself out there that way. Um, and if you can do that and take those risks, but then also in a sense, almost protect yourself by building a really strong community be they friends, collaborators, otherwise, um, and also just mentors to guide you. So people who have been down some of these roads before can help kind of shine some light a couple steps ahead of the path. 
uh, I think those are the kinds of things that make it so that uh, it's never going to be known, you know, what the path will be, but at least uh, you can um, maybe feel a little more comfortable um, doing something that feels new and maybe even scary. Mm-hmm. Lance and Brandon Kramer, producer and director of The First Step, thank you for joining me on The Facing Project. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a really meaningful conversation. We appreciate being here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real honor. Uh, love, love talking with you. Thanks. The First Step is opening in theaters nationwide this spring. More at firststepfilm.com. Special thanks to Lance and Brandon Kramer, Radian Hill Pictures, Van Jones, Jessica Jackson, Lewis Reed, Tylo James, Dee Pierce, and all of the voices who fearlessly shared their stories in the First Step film. To listen to past episodes of this program, visit indianapublicradio.org slash thefacingproject. From there, you can subscribe to the podcast where you'll get episodes of The Facing Project delivered to your device each month. Or just ask your smart speaker to play The Facing Project on NPR. Listeners can contribute stories or volunteer to share the stories of others that may appear on the show. More information at facingproject.com. To continue the conversation about this episode, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Facing Project. The Facing Project is recorded at Indiana Public Radio at Ball State University in beautiful and wonderful Muncie, Indiana. It's produced by the amazing producer and sound engineer extraordinaire, Sean Ashcraft. The show is distributed nationally through PRX. I'm your host, J.R. Jameson. And until next time, I wish you the courage to share your own story and the empathy to listen to others. Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates, providing intensive therapy, individualized academic instruction, and social skills training for children with autism. Behavior Associates analysts develop an individualized treatment plan for each child receiving services. Presenting sponsor of The Facing Project, more at behavioraba.com.